Since the dawn of church history, ministry leaders have been passing the baton to future generations. Some transitions are smooth, others are not. Today, we're gonna to be talking about five classic examples of how churches pass the baton. One common mistake the churches make is that they never raise up another generation to pass the baton to in the first place. When they get to the end of their lap, there is no one there to receive the baton. Sometimes churches do raise up a new generation, but they have trouble passing the baton. They drop the baton in the process. This is due to lack of foresight and preparation, and the transfer fails. Sometimes when passing the baton, it is simply a matter of timing. It is not uncommon for the next generation to become impatient. This baby boomer is taking way too long. I want the baton now. Sometimes, too close. The previous generation isn't willing to give the baton up. But every so often, once in a while, the rarest of events transpires. A church passes the baton to the next generation with perfect form. So remember, always be a church that passes the baton well. What unbelievable acting that was. Unbelievable indeed. <laughs> Today we're going to continue our In the Wilderness series with Building for Generations in the Wilderness. Building for Generations in the Wilderness. First, we're going to look at how God, through Moses, was preparing a new generation in the wilderness that could enter the promised land. And then we're going to see how that applies to our church and our 150th anniversary uh, Building for Generations campaign. Uh, the first principle from God's Word is to pass the baton. To pass the baton. Uh, Psalm 71, verse 17, Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Uh, there's an ancient Iroquois maxim that goes like this. In every deliberation, we must consider the impact of our decisions on the next seven generations. Uh, Psalm 78, verse 1 my people hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we've heard and known, 
things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. I love this quote by Queen Elizabeth uh, II. She said, The true measure of all of our actions is how long the good in them lasts. Everything we do, we do for the young. And then I really like this uh, quote by Carlos Alan Autry. He's the former mayor of Fresno. He says, Leadership requires the courage to make decisions that will benefit the next generation. Uh, that's what we're called to do in our generation. Uh, Acts 13, verse 36 is something that I would love to be on my tombstone. It says, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. That's what we're called to do, to serve God's purpose in our generation and then fall asleep, which means going home to heaven. And part of that purpose is to pass the baton to the next generation. Uh, here's a, a chart, and we can it's almost like a report card. How are we doing, Purpose Church? Um, it's an overview of the over 7,000 people that in some way call Purpose Church their home, 7,009. And uh, we now are into our sixth generation uh, since uh, followers of, of Jesus began to follow him 2,000 years ago. Uh, the builder generation was 58 generations uh, since Jesus uh, started this uh, uh, global movement, uh, the greatest movement ever in human history. Uh, we're the 58th generation, the boomers are the 59th generation since Jesus uh, launched uh, followers of Christ. Uh, Gen X is the 60th generation. Millennials are the 61st generation since Christ. Gen Z is the 62nd generation. And Gen Alpha now is the 63rd generation since Christ uh, launched this movement of everyone everywhere uh, following Jesus. Now, you can see how our church breaks down ages. Uh, these, these are the generations, ages 1 to 8, Gen Z 9 to 26, Millennials 27 to 41, Gen X ages 42 to 56, Boomers ages 57 to 75, Builders 76 and above. But this is broken down by decades uh, for, the, for our, uh, how our church is broken down here. Ages 0 to 9, 10 to 19, 20 to 29, and so on. And so you'll see how many are in each of those decades of life and roughly how they fit into the generations. And here's the percentage of our church of those age groups by decade. And then the percentage of L.A. County from the L.A. County census as to what the people around us, what percentage they are in those age groups. And so you'll see, as we kind of use this as a little bit of a report card, that Gen Alpha and the younger half of Gen Z were doing pretty good. We're, we're kind of over our percentage for L.A. County. Now, the reason that is, is because these are the children of those where we're strong in other generations. But where we are less than, and, and probably this is a struggle for every church all across America, 
but we are as well. We're a little bit weaker in the older half of Gen Z and millennials. That's where we have a lesser percentage of our church from that of LA, uh, LA County. Now, Gen Z, or Gen X, I'm sorry, is about the same. So we're about equal to LA County uh, on that percentage. And then we have more than our percentage uh, from the county around us for boomers and for builders. And so it shows how we have to constantly be vigilant in order to reach uh, those next generations of followers for Christ. We need to teach the next generation. Deuteronomy 6 Uh, verses 1 and 2. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan in order to uh, possess. Verse 2, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. So we are to teach the next generation. That's what we're called to do. Uh, Verse 6, skipping down to verse 6, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Uh, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So we are to teach the next generation. And then after that, we are to invest in new leaders. Invest in new leaders. Uh, Numbers chapter 27, uh, verse 12. Then the Lord said, to Moses, go up this mountain in the Abram range and see the land I've given to the Israelites. After you've seen it, you too will be gathered uh, to your people. And so Moses got to see uh, the land uh, that they were going to inherit and he got to see it uh, before he died, to, to see the result of all of his efforts to take them out of Egypt, to lead them through the wilderness And then now uh, he gets to see all of that before he dies. But you see, what we're called to do uh, as as followers of Christ to pass the baton to the next generation, really we are judged more by what happens after us than what happened in our generation. How strongly did we impress it on the next generation? We're really uh, looked at as to success comes from what happens after us, what follows after us, what we have done for those after us rather than what happens just within our own generation. Now skipping down to verse 15. Uh, Verse 15, Moses said to the Lord, uh, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to invest in new leadership, to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership. I love that phrase. Uh, Find somebody in the next generation, invest in new leaders in whom, uh, men and women, in whom is the spirit of leadership and lay your hand on him. And then skipping down to verse 22. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord had instructed through Moses. Uh, Tony Evans uh, says, churches need to be intentional about reaching the next generation by creating templates for young people to see that there is a stepping stone for leadership in the church. 
And then uh, Denzel Washington um, once said, show me a successful individual and I'll show you someone who had real positive influences in his or her life. I don't care what you do for a living. If you do it well, I'm sure there was someone cheering you on or showing you the way there was a mentor. And then the next biblical principle is don't be afraid of change. Now we come to Deuteronomy 31, verse 1. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all of Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. Sipping down to verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua. And this was a huge change for the nation of Israel. Uh, Moses had led them for 40 years. For 40 years, Moses had been their leader. But now there's a big change as he turns things over to Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them and you must divide it among them as an inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Uh, 2,500 years ago, Heraclitus uh, wrote, there is nothing permanent except for change. And the Ford Motor Company uh, has a commercial that says, you don't have a company for 118 years and be afraid of change. And then the final biblical principle I want us to look at from this passage is to finish well. To finish well. Uh, chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, verse 1, Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land. And just like I said before, success is determined by what happens after you are gone. How do things go with the next generation? That's where success lies for us. Not just what we do within our generation, but how well do we prepare and hand the relay baton to the next generation? Uh, skipping down to verse 4. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when I said I will give it to your descendants. I've let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab. Isn't that just a wonderful thing? God buried Moses. They had had this wonderful relationship uh, with each other through all these years. And now God himself um, buries him there in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Sometimes it's time to grieve and to mourn one chapter, and then that's over with, and now you march into the new chapter. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all these signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials, 
and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. And so uh, Moses and uh, his, uh, his leadership and that uh, generation, um, he finishes, Moses finishes well. Uh, now, let's look at how this applies to our 150th anniversary uh, Building for Generations uh, campaign. How, how does all this teaching about how God was forming a new generation in the wilderness to enter into the promised land, and we are to pass the baton to that next generation? Well, how does that apply to our 150th anniversary and to our Building for Generations uh, campaign? Well, I just want to take a few minutes uh, that we have left here. I want to just take a few minutes to say four things to you. Uh, in case you didn't get a chance to catch uh, one of our dessert fellowships uh, that we had here on campus in September and October, in case you didn't get a chance to catch one of those, I want to say four things as your pastor uh, to you. First thing I want to say is thank you. I want to say thank you. We survived and even thrived during our 150th anniversary because of you. It's because of you and your faithfulness and your prayers and your involvement and your serving and your giving. Um, we survive because of you. You know, Satan hates the local church and he will do just about anything to destroy a church. He is always looking for ways to destroy a local uh, church, especially one that is on fire uh, for Jesus like Purpose Church has been for 151 years now. You know, thousands of churches ceased to exist during the pandemic. Thousands of churches closed, uh, ceased to exist, are no longer there. And we weren't one of them because of you. Because of you, we weren't one of those casualties. Uh, Walter Elliott writes, Perseverance is not a long race. It is many short races, one after the other. And so for 150 50 years, we've had many short races, generation to generation, running their leg of the relay until we come to today. You know, churches are fragile things, very fragile things. So many things can destroy churches. Um, Satan uses so many devices and so many approaches and, and so many tools to uh, disunify us and, and, and to stop us and to, and to destroy us. You know, the two strongest churches in Southern California, the two strongest churches in Southern California when Kimberly and I moved here in 1993 have now shut their doors. Uh, just think of that. Imagine the two strongest churches in Southern California. Imagine that right now and imagine them closing their doors 28 years uh, from now. Um, and so churches are fragile things, which leads me to the second thing that I want to say to you. Uh, a unique experience. Our church's experience is very unique in American and even possibly worldwide church history. Uh, you've heard me say this before. I want to drill a little bit deeper into it. In our research, in our research, and our research is not perfect. We just did the best we can, but I'm not, I'm not saying it's fail-safe or perfect, but we've used resources like the Hartford Research Institute, and even the list of megachurches in Wikipedia and other sources like that. And we have found only 11 churches in American history. Only our church and 10 other churches, only 11 in American history that are our size 
after 150 years, that are the size that we are after 150 years. This may even be true for the entire world. Since America is unique in having churches that are both large and old. I mean, for example, Europe has old churches, but, but the old churches are usually not the large churches. And Asia, Africa, and South America have large churches, but the large churches are not usually uh, the old churches. Um, this next part is just kind of uh, for fun. Um, of the 11 churches that we have found, and here's like a map of where those 11 churches are. Uh, here's our church, Purpose Church, and here are uh, the, uh, the other 10. Uh, just a little bit that's interesting. Eight of them are Baptist. Um, two of them are Christian. Now, they're all Christian, but specifically the Christian uh, denomination. Um, two are Christian, eight are Baptist, and one is AME, which is African Methodist Episcopal. Now, most of these churches are from places like Texas, Georgia, Arkansas, and, and Tennessee. But only four of the churches are not in the Bible Belt. Just our church, here we are, and plus three others are, are not in what we would call uh, the Bible Belt, uh, where you have the wind in your, we've had the wind in our face for 150 years rather than the wind at our back. And then finally, this is interesting, uh, we are the only church on this list of 11 that's west of Texas. Only one west of Texas is, is Purpose Church. Um, now, some of you will like this and some of you will not, but I like to think of us as the Tom Brady of churches, all right? Um, it's not unusual to be 43 years old, and it's not that unusual to win a Super Bowl MVP, but it's really unusual to win a Super Bowl MVP at age 43. And so that's why I say we're the Tom Brady of churches. It's not unusual to be this old. It's not unusual. I mean, there, there are some churches that are this large, but it's highly unusual, very unique to be this, this old, uh, this uh, size after being this age of 151 years. And so that brings me to number three. God has given us a strategic assignment. Our church has been given a strategic assignment from God. Now, our mission field is wherever our oikos is, wherever you live, wherever you work, um, wherever you go to school. That's where your oikos is, the 8 to 15 in your sphere of influence. Oikos is the Greek word for household. But the location of our church is in L.A. County, uh, which is a place of great needs and great opportunities and, and, and Los Angeles has great global strategic significance. Here's another uh, factoid I thought was just fascinating. Do you know that there are only seven states in the United States that have a greater population than Los Angeles County? There's only seven states in the entire United States, states that have a greater population than Los Angeles County. Just California itself, Texas, Illinois, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, and Florida. All the rest of them, um, the whole state has a smaller population than L.A. County. So God has literally brought the world to our doorstep. And our campus is busy 24-7 meeting the needs of our particular slice of the world that God has brought uh, right to, to our, our doorstep. Um, speaking of the world, let me give you a couple of exa recent examples. Just 
tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Just a couple of recent examples of our ministry projects around the world. Uh, Lowell and Linda Rice are in Zimbabwe uh, this morning uh, overseeing uh, water projects like this one. Uh, see how it's run by solar power? This uh, water project here is uh, run by uh, solar power so that it's, it's self-sufficient. Um, and you can, you can, and I'll notice this little wire here. I'll mention this in just a second. If you don't go down closer, you can see our uh, Purpose uh, Church logo uh, here on the sign on the side of the water project. But, but what's harder to see, if we could go back to that previous picture, you can see this little electric fence right here. Uh, why is that there? Well, it's used to keep the elephants away because elephants can smell water from a distance of up to 12 miles and they are relentless when they think there's a source of water and uh, the only thing that can keep them away is that tiny little um, electric fence uh, right there. Uh, here's another example. Here's the Purpose Baptist Christian Academy in Zambia. We didn't ask them to name it that. They, they're the ones that insisted on naming it that. And here's Pastor Sham and uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor Sham, Pastor Greg, and Jim and Anna uh, Powell. Here they are cutting the ribbon for a school we built there, kindergarten uh, through eighth grade. And here is that uh, school with some of the uh, students here. That's what you did. You did that as a church. You, that school is there because of you. And here's the high school, which we just built. And after it's painted and furnished, uh, this high school that's going to add on to the K through 8, uh, it's going to open uh, just about the time, around the time that our worship center is going to reopen. At the same time we reopen our worship center after renovations, uh, this high school in Zambia is going to be opened as well. And these examples are just the tip, the tip, the tiny tip of the iceberg of the hundreds of ways that God is using you um, and, and your support for Purpose Church, um, that God is using our church here locally in our own community and in different places all around the world. And so finally, the fourth thing that I want to say to you is that we have an opportunity. Um, we now have an opportunity to build to reach the next generations to come. Now, 99% of the time, we don't worry about buildings. We just do our ministry local, locally in our community in the city of Pomona, uh, in LA County, globally. We, we're just, we don't even think about buildings. 99% of the time, all we worry about is just doing ministry, doing outreach, reaching people for Jesus, feeding people, clothing people, educating people in the name of Jesus. But every once in a while, um, we are called, and this is a time and a place, just like Esther, who knows that you've been called for for such a time as this, Mordecai said to Esther, this is our moment. And every once in a while, uh, those at Purpose Church uh, in our generation, we have to think about the buildings that support all of this ministry. I mean, it's like it's your home. Most of the time, you just live in your home. But every once in a while, you got to think about that the structure of that home and what you need to renovate, what you need to, uh, to, to fix, what you need to restore. Uh, now, to build new would be so expensive that it would take away resources from all these ministries that, that I've been talking about or just the tip of the iceberg of all these ministries locally and, and globally. 
so if we built, we'd just be in debt and, and we'd be, uh, have to reduce our impact around the world and in our own community. Uh, so if we built new, it would just take resources from those ministries. But what if we could renovate existing buildings that we have and do it as phases as the money is given? Uh, we could handle that. We, we could do that while continuing all of our outreach and, and, and ministry at full strength with no additional debt, with no additional debt. Just as the money comes in, do these projects of renovation um, and, and, and we could continue uh, 100% with all these other ministries while we upgrade uh, for these buildings for future generations. So the question is, what buildings should we renovate? Um, research has shown, and I'm, uh, this is not a joke, I'm serious about this. Research has shown three most important rooms for a church to reach other people, to reach the younger generation, to reach people for Christ, uh, to grow. Three most important rooms are the worship center. That makes sense. That's where so much happens, the worship center. Number two, the church nursery. And number three, the women's restrooms. I kid you not, that's what research shows. Worship center, nursery, and the women's restrooms. And our Building for Generations campaign has loosely uh, kind of taken that approach. First, the worship center. We're, we're a very unique church in that we do both a traditional service and a contemporary services at very high levels. I mean, there may be churches that maybe do traditional stronger than us. Actually, I, I can't even think of some unless you go as far west as, as Pasadena or as far south as San Diego. So we do traditional at, at, a, at a very high level, but at the same time doing contemporary uh, in a very high, a strong level. And we're very unique as a church in that we do both. Well, it's hard to do both. It's very hard to, to have a service and then within 15 minutes switch over to an entirely different style. Very, very few churches do this at the level of excellence that our church did uh, does. Like I said, you got to go as far west as Pasadena, as far south as San Diego to, to see that. And so part of building for generations is going to enable us to do both traditional and contemporary at the same level that we have done for so many years and that we're known for. Uh, secondly, the, the nursery. Well, fortunately, we have a great nursery. We don't have to upgrade our nursery in any way. Our nursery is in great shape. But our children's and student areas, boy, they definitely need renovation. Children's ministry areas, uh, student ministry areas, oh my goodness, we, we really need renovation in those areas. It's been said that children are 10% of our present and they're 100% of our future. 10% of our present and 100% of our future. You know, I would tweak that a little bit, and, and based on the chart that I showed you earlier, I would say at Purpose Church, children and students, when you add those two together, are 30% of our present. 30% of our church right now is made up of students 18 and, and younger, and children 18 and younger. So they're 30% of our present, but they still are 100% of our future. And then thirdly, improving the women's restrooms uh, is, is a big part of all these uh, building for generations as well. And each of the buildings we're talking about um, uh, upgrading the women's restrooms and the, the men's restrooms as well is a big part of all that. Now, how can we do this? 
how, how can we pull this off? It's, it's a massive project uh, that had an estimated cost of over $7 million, and that's when we started it. And, of course, building costs have gone up, and they continue to always be on the rise. But we can, we can do this. We can do it. If we each do our part, we can do it. Uh, here's my challenge. This campaign is roughly in the ballpark of one year's giving uh, to our church. In the ballpark of one year of, of people's giving to Purpose Church. So if, if each of us uh, look at what we gave to Purpose Church in 2020, if we each look back and say, what did we give? What was our tithe in 2020? And if we each give a third more of that amount, so one and a third, one and a third, one and a third, for the next three years, okay? So we look at 2020, we take a third of our tithe uh, for uh, 2020 and add it to our tithe. So we give one and a third of what we gave in 2020 and we do it in 2021, 2022, and 2023, uh, we will be close to being able to do all of this project. And then here's how we make up the difference. Uh, for those of you who are new to Purpose Church, and so you didn't give to Purpose Church in the year 2020. Whatever you give is going to help us make up this difference so that we can do the whole project. Now, many of our church family have already committed themselves to this vision. Uh, Kimberly and I are going to give one and a half of our 2020 tithe for the next three years. One and a half, one and a half, one and a half. We're challenging people to do one and a third, one and a third, one and a third. But, but we felt that, that we God, if, with His help, and if we could stretch things a little bit, we could do one and a half of our 2020 tithe over the next three years. Uh, a young family in our church uh, wrote, wrote me this. They said, uh, we accept Pastor Glenn's challenge to give an additional year's tithe split over three years. We decided to round up a little bit after reading the campaign. We'll add 12,000 square feet of usable space to the e-building. So our pledge is $12,000 over these three years. Enclosed is our check for $4,000 for the first one-third of our pledge. We'll give the remaining amount in the next two years as suggested. So some of you are, are not able to do that, and I completely understand that and don't want you to feel pressured in any way. But you can do something. Maybe not everybody can do what this young family did, but everybody can do something. Uh, some will, will be able to do it. Some will be able to do it. And others will be able to do even more, maybe, maybe even way more than that. We've already had commitments of $75,000 and another one of $72,000 uh, over the next three years, over and above uh, their regular tithe. And some have done things like selling property and giving a tithe uh, to the campaign, like Barnabas did in the book of Acts. Actually, Barnabas gave 100% of it when he sold his property in the book of Acts. I'm just saying. And come to think of it, there actually was somebody who their property was sold and gave 100% uh, to this campaign. So some have tithed on a sale of property or, or, or stocks or, or something else that they cash in. Uh, others have actually given the whole thing. 
Uh, as I mentioned before, we had uh, dessert fellowships in September and October in order to share this vision. And so far, we have had over $1.1 million already given to this campaign. Now, if you would like to, to give to Building for Generations or, or pledge to give, uh, you can go online to purposechurch.com slash campaign. Purposechurch.com slash campaign uh, to see how to either give uh, to Building for Generations or to pledge um, for the next three years what you'll be able to do. Uh, here's the thing I want you to do. I want you, I want you to go there to that website, uh, and I want you to, to but the, for before you even do that, after you go there or before you go there, I, I want you to pray. That's what I'm asking you to do. Please don't feel pressure from me as your pastor. Please don't feel pressure from our church. Uh, I, I just want you to pray and ask the Lord. Say, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have our family do or me as an individual? Oh, God, what would you have us to do for such a time as this to see us uh, build and enhance our campus so that ministries uh, globally and locally can continue year after year after year, generation after generation after generation until Jesus returns. And all God's family, wherever you are right now, hearing me or, or watching this, and all God's family said, Amen. Uh, let's, let's close with this word from Curtis Thompson, uh, who's our uh, church moderator. Let's watch this together. 2020, the 150th anniversary year for Purpose Church, was not the year we expected. The global pandemic of COVID-19 left us with empty rooms and empty parking lots. But ministry continued using online technology in our large outside spaces to connect our congregation and people from around the world to the gospel. Even at 150 years old, we learned new ways to connect people with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. We were able to provide food and assistance to hundreds of community members and offered regular encouragement and support to our congregation. And throughout the pandemic, our support for our missionaries never wavered, enabling them to adapt their ministries in nations that were also impacted by the pandemic. In Ecclesiastes 7.14, the writer penned, when times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this, God has made the one as well as the other. We're grateful to each person who supports the work of Purpose Church, even and especially during the hard times of a pandemic. It makes it possible for us to minister to the congregation, our community, and the world. We're grateful for your generosity that has allowed us to care for the resource God has given us. And we look forward to celebrating our 150th, a bit later than planned, but with great enthusiasm, as we praise God for His grace over these many years. We look ahead to generations and new opportunities to expand our vision of everyone, everywhere, following Jesus. With God's blessing and your generosity, we hope to upgrade our worship center for expanded ministry opportunities with improved seating, lighting, and audiovisual, as well as enlarged gathering space and updated restrooms. We want to completely renovate our education building. 
a building that is structurally in excellent shape, but needs updating to better use the space to accommodate more children and students. Additionally, this will allow us to update the lower level of the F building to provide additional adult classrooms. Our vision for the future is to use what we have, 11 acres and several buildings, to meet the challenges of ministry for the next 150 years. To always be ready to share the good news of Jesus Christ's amazing grace and his gift of free salvation.